Welcome to the CJC Weekly Bible Study, where CJC stands for Complete Jesus Christ. If your perspective of Jesus is based only on teachings from the New Testament, then your understanding is incomplete. Regarding what we often call the Old Testament, Jesus himself said, These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So won't you join us today in our study where we esteem the newer and the older testaments alike. I'm your host, Jeff Smith, and currently we're working our way verse by verse through the first book of the Bible, Genesis. I'd like to thank you for your patience with me last week, trying something new there. That was... uh... Never tried that before in front of a group, much less a group of uh, a small group Bible study. But <laughs> dressing up with wigs, I never wore a wig to a Bible study before. <laughs> but it was fun. I had a good time. And I, I thank you guys for, for being a safe place. And I thank you for uh, putting up with me and, and tolerating me in, in my uh, my foolish endeavor there. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. So last week we were looking at, it was kind of a celebration of life for Isaac. Isaac had passed away. That was how we ended chapter 35. Today we're moving into into chapter 36. Chapter 36 is 43 verses of non-stop names. <laughs> 43 verses of non-stop names. So anybody want to read the whole chapter? <laughs> Before we get to that, though, I have here in my hand something that I pulled out of the closet this morning. I pulled this out of the closet this morning. You guys might remember these. These are old picture albums. Remember when, when pictures used to be something you would print instead of you know just digital and it's on your devices? So these are pictures of me as a baby. So it's like from zero to two years old. The whole book is zero to two years old. And I'm sure that if I was to pass this to Gabriella and she was to you know have as much time as she, as she wanted and pass it around, that you guys would probably humor me and you know maybe look at a few of these and maybe you know pretend like okay that's cute flip 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 you know and eventually I'm going to wear you out eventually you're going to say you know what I'm done looking at baby pictures of Jeff when he was two years old right and so you would have that luxury at least of being able to flip at your own speed and then pass it on to the next person do you guys remember slide projectors. Mm-hmm. Slide projectors took that to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. Slide projectors, they were photographs, but you weren't the one in charge. You didn't have the remote control or you didn't. You weren't the one to push the buttons. You were usually, if, if your memories are like mine, you were at the mercy of whoever was running the show, literally running the show. And it might be a living room on a couch with flowers as the fabric, you know, because this is going back sometime. And maybe it was a vacation to a place you just don't really care about, you know. And and they insisted they wanted to show you all of the slides. And every slide had a story. All 200 of them. All 200 of them. And the slide projector never worked 100%. Sometimes you get the blank thing and everybody goes, ah, it's too bright. Or sometimes there's one in upside down or maybe reversed. And you're going, that looks strange. I thought the house was the other way around, you know. And so you endured these family exhibits that you just maybe weren't interested in so much. Chapter 36 is a little bit like that. This is a family on exhibit. This is an exhibit, all right, but it's like a slideshow, a little bit. It's a family that, uh, as far as we're concerned in following the story of what God's doing in the lives of people and the lives of the promised line that he's got going on, This is kind of a side story of sorts because it's all the family of Esau. Esau is not the son of promise. He was the firstborn, but he's not the son of promise. Mm -hmm. So although he's important, it's all about Isaac and the promise 
that attends Isaac and that will be carried on to the next generation through Isaac. This is his brother. You remember when Abraham died, right? He had two sons. He had Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac. When Abraham died and we were reading that material, the next thing we came across was an account of Ishmael and Ishmael's descendants and the people that were connected to Ishmael. And then we got to Isaac. What the author is doing, and I'll, I'll give you another illustration, uh, Noah. Noah had three sons. And when Noah died, the two sons that were not so much interested in are introduced and then they're dismissed. And then the son Shem is introduced and it carries the story forward. Abraham, when he dies, the two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, Ishmael, the family's introduced and thank you very much. And Ishmael is dismissed and now it's all about Isaac. Isaac dies, and now Esau discussed family members. That's what we've got today, Genesis chapter 36. And then they'll be dismissed. And then the narrative will be able to focus then on Isaac and Jacob. Okay? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 36. Like I said, 43 verses, nonstop names, lots of names that we're not familiar with. They're going to be hard to pronounce. So I'm going to need lots of volunteers to read. Um, Actually, I'm not going to do that to you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually read all of them for you. Okay? I'm going to read all these verses in one setting, in one day. All right? We're going to get Genesis chapter 36, God willing, done today. All right? So all I ask is, in the midst of the many names you've never heard of, can't pronounce, don't care who these people are and what the connections are, who knows, you know, stay with me as much as you can. All right? Because it's going to be a little bit tedious. But if you want to time me, let's see how fast we can get through 43 verses. And then what we'll do is we'll actually, I'll, after we get it done, we've read through it, then we'll, we'll go back and we'll look at a couple highlights here and there of things to notice. By the way, I should say this. As I get going, as I get reading, look at this as uh, not just one big chunk of a chapter, but it's made up of components, all right? And you're going to hear some of these names multiple times. And you'll say to yourself, boy, those sound like the same names I just heard 30 seconds ago or 45 seconds ago or a minute ago. And you'll be right, okay? So here's what's going to happen. On the board, I've got up here kind of a little diagram to maybe help follow along. So the whole first chunk is going to be all these people right here, okay? And then the second chunk is going to be here. And then the third chunk is going to be over here. And then finally at the end, this is going to be verses 40 through 43 right here. All right? You ready, ready for this? All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 36. Now this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan. Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. Oholibamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. And Basemath, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebahoth. Now Adah bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basemath bore Ruel. I should pause for a second here to say that some of your versions will have slight variations in the names. For example, right there where it says Aholibama, my New King James Version has an A in the front. ESV has an O in the front. And so you'll find little variations like that as we go. All right. Resuming then with verse 5. And Aholibama bore Jeosh, Jelam, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. I'll pause again. If you want to look at the board rather than look at the text okay. so you can see how everybody's connected, you're welcome to do that too. I won't be offended. All right. Verse 6, then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle and all his animals, and all his goods, which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob. For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together, and the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. 
So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. And this is the genealogy of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. These were the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau, and Ruel, the son of Basemath, the wife of Esau. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Now Timnah was the concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Ruel, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These were the sons of Basemath, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Aholabama, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, and she bore to Esau Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the chiefs of the sons of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, were Chief Taman, Chief Omar, Chief Zepho, Chief Kenaz, Chief Korah, Chief Gatam, and Chief Amalek. These were the chiefs of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. They were the sons of Adah. These were the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, Chief Nahath, Chief Zerah, Chief Shammah, Chief Mizah. These were the chiefs of Ruel in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Basemath, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Aholabama, Esau's wife, Chief Jeush, Chief Jalam, and Chief Korah. These were the chiefs who descended from Aholabama, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anah. These were the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these were their chiefs. These were the sons of Seir, the Horite, who inhabited the land Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anah, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. These were the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. And the sons of Lotan were Hori and Hemam. Lotan's sister was Timnah. These were the sons of Shobal, Alvin, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. These were the sons of Zibion both Ajah and Enah. This was the Enah who found the water in the wilderness as he pastured the donkeys of his father Zibion. These were the children of Enah, Dishon and Aholabama, the daughter of Enah. These were the sons of Dishon, Hamdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Cheran. These were the sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zavan, and Akan. These were the sons of Dishon, Uz, and Aran. These were the chiefs of the Horites, Chief Lotan, Chief Shobal, Chief Zibion, Chief Anah, Chief Dishon, Chief Ezer, Chief Dishan. These were the chiefs of the Horites, according to their chiefs in the land of Seir. Now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Dinhabah. And when Bela died... Jobab, the son of Zerah of Basra, reigned in his place. When Jobab died, Husham of the land of the Temanites reigned in his place. And when Husham died, Hadad, the son of Bedad, who attacked Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his place. And the name of his city was Abith. When Hadad died, Samla of Masreka reigned in his place. And when Samla died, Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his place. When Saul died, Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, reigned in his place. And when Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, died, Hadar reigned in his place, and the name of his city was Pau. His wife's name was Mehetabel, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. And these were the names of the chiefs of Esau, according to their families and their places, by their names, Chief Timnah, Chief Alva, Chief Jetheth, Chief Aholibama, Chief Elah, 
Chief Pinon, Chief Kanaz, Chief Timion, Chief Mibzar, Chief Magdiel, and Chief Iram. These were the chiefs of Edom according to their habitations in the land of their possession. Esau was the father of the Edomites. All right, we made it. We're done. <laughs> Chapter 76. All right, dismiss. No. <laughs> when you read through stuff like this in the Bible, it's amazing how fast you can just breeze through it, right? Mm-hmm. So we've just covered an entire chapter in six minutes, but we didn't go deep. We went we went fast, but we didn't go deep. So let's look at some of these things as we try to piece together anything interesting from here. And when you read it that fast, it's hard to find something of interest. All right, so it takes a while to, to pull some of these out. Number one, go back to verse one where it says, now this is the genealogy of Esau. That word genealogy right there, does anybody else have a different translation where there's something else other than genealogy? Generation. Generations, good, okay. So account. account, good. So generations, genealogy, account, those are all words that translate toledos. In Hebrew, that's a big key word when you're going through the book of Genesis. That word tells you major section. You're in a major section, all right? And you'll remember, maybe you'll remember from a long time ago when we had a study I was talking about the structure of the entire book of Genesis. A lot of it had to do with these toledot. And uh, so this word, when it appears, it's a clue. It gives you a clue. You're transitioning. You're moving from an entire big section into another big section. So when we left with the death of Isaac, the writer is telling us, bam, you're going into another big section right here. The hint is, or the section that we're looking at, is going to be Genesis chapter 36. The next time Toledoth appears telling us we've moved to another section is in Genesis 37, verse 2. So this section, it's only one chapter long. It's a pretty short section compared to the one that was before it. The one that was before it, this is the Toledoth, this is the genealogy, this is the account of Esau here, one chapter for Esau. The one that we were looking at before, we were looking at Isaac, and that's been since chapter 25. So you're looking at basically 11 chapters for that. All right, 11 chapters for Isaac, one chapter for Esau. The next one's going to be Jacob, and he's going to take us through the rest of the book. That section goes from chapter 37 through (coughs) chapter 50. All right, so the sections can be short. They can be long. Here we go. Here's a short one. It's one chapter long, and then we're going to move into another long one. All right, the story, the narrative is going to focus primarily on Abraham, and then his child Isaac, not Ishmael, and then Jacob, not Esau. All right, so we're dismissing Esau. We're saying, thank you very much for playing. Here's all the characters. Take a bow. You're out. All right, and then we move on with the characters that the story is most focused on. So verse 1, now this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Edom, it's a play on words. It, it has to do with red, the color red. All right, anything, uh, any association you remember about Esau and red? Red hair. Red hair, good. Another one, anybody? And the red lentils in the stew. Good job. So Edom is a play on his his name. All right? It's a kind of a nickname of sorts. So a lot of times you'll see names that are associated with people that aren't really their first names. In fact, when you read through this list, there are names in this list that you can find elsewhere in the Bible. And sometimes there's variations in spelling, and sometimes it's a completely different name. All right? Uh, one of the things that I would like to point out is if you were to go to First Chronicles and you were to look over there, you would find in First Chronicles chapter 1, verses 35 through 42, a lot of these names. In fact, if you look from verse 9 all the way to the first half of verse 43, it almost matches word for word what you would find in First Chronicles chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. It's almost the same exact wording, all right, with the same names and a couple variations in the spellings of their names, all right? 
let's talk first of all about Esau and his three wives. Esau and his three wives. We've got we're introduced to Adah, Aholabama, and Basemat. And like I said, there's an O in front of this one in some of your translations, and A in other ones. So just realize the variations in spelling. That's normal. But the interesting thing is we've actually been introduced to Esau and his wives before. And the only one that was in the list before was Basemath. These other two aren't the same two that were in the other list of three wives that we, that we ran across before. And so there's lots of speculation as to what's going on there. Some people suggest, well, it's the same three women, but only one of them kept her true name, her real name, or, or the name consistent, while the other two maybe had their names changed. And then you've got to go, why would you have a name change? Well, one of the reasons might have to do with verses 6 and 7. 6 and 7 describes Esau taking his family and everybody and moving. They move from within the promised land to outside the promised land. They cross over the Jordan River. They move slightly south and slightly east. And now they're in a different location. Let me ask you a question. My name is Jeff. If I was to move south of the border, right, from California to Mexico, am I going to still be a Jeff? I'm probably going to end up with a name change. I'm going to be Hefe, right? If Mike moves down south of the border, he's not going to be Mike anymore. He's going to be Miguel, right? So there can be name changes depending on locale. It could be that they've moved from one locale to another, and perhaps that gave rise to a name change. But we've also seen name changes for other reasons as well when we go through our Bible. We've seen Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. We've seen God make name changes. I'm not sure that's what's going on here, but it it could be a factor. One thing to think about as well. You also find name changes. uh, For example, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Were they born with those names? No. No. Those three guys that are famous from our Sunday school stories, those are not the three names they were born with. Those were the names that were given to them when their land and their people were conquered. And the conqueror (laughs) said, I don't care what your name is, it's changed. We're changing your name. So sometimes you would see a name change like that. So it could be the same three women, and two of them have a name change for for one reason or another. And if it's a locale type of thing, not everybody gets their name changed by just changing locale. Some of you would be this. Esther would be Esther, south of the border. There's going to be Esther's in south of the border. Just, uh, she wouldn't have to change her name. Um, so you have three women he's married to. Another suggestion is, well, maybe it's a different three women. Maybe base math, the only one that he's still married to from that original group of three. And maybe he's picked up two more. Or maybe two died. Uh, don't know. There isn't a real good explanation that everybody agrees on, but I just want to bring it to your attention. Actually, I should point this out as well. So Ada, she is the daughter, it says here, of Elon the Hittite, Aholabama is the daughter of a Hivite, and Basemath is the daughter of Ishmael. These women come from completely different families and different people groups. All right. So as we're looking at this, remember mom and dad, Esau's mom and dad having concerns about Esau marrying women of the land? Mm-hmm. Remember their concern was what? They're going to get married to these, he's going to get married to these women, and these women are going to lead them astray from the true belief in the one true God. Because they believe in many gods. And so mom used that, you remember, as her excuse or her explanation as why she wanted her son to go get a wife from over in Padanaram. So that was an issue for mom and dad. And so then you have down here the boys. The boys that were born to Esau through these three women. So Eliphaz, Jeush, Jalam, Korah, and Ruel. And then we have it even introduced... Sons of Eliphaz, you've got over here, sons of Ruel here, and no record of any sons born to any of these three. Kind of interesting. So we have three generations. We have Esau. This line represents Esau's sons. This line represents Esau's grandsons. Here's kind of an interesting note that we were given. In verse 12, we were told that Eliphaz 
has a concubine named Timnah. Strange that the concubine is named and his wife or wives are not named. The mom or moms of these names here were not given, but we're given the name of a concubine, we're given the name of a son born to that concubine. Do you see that name? Amalek. Does that sound familiar? If you are born to, uh, let's say, Amalek, what could people call you? As a people group, eventually, as you become a people group descended from Amalek, they're going to call you Amalekites. Mm -hmm. Amalekites figure in prominently in the Bible. They're not friendly to Israel. All right? So if you're wondering later on as you're reading through the Bible, where did these Amalekites come from? Bingo, there they are. That's where the Amalekites come from. A couple of these other ones to point out as well. This one right here, Eliphaz. Eliphaz is introduced to us, and he has a son named Timon. All right, the first son that was named is Timon. If you were born to Timon, you're going to be a Timonite, right? So there's an interesting character that we find in the book of Job. Job is a book that most theologians believe was written very early, if not the earliest of the books that we have. But Job is kind of strange because we don't know a whole lot about the background on the book of Job. Where was it written? To whom was it written? Who is this guy? How is he related to the rest of the people in the Bible? But there's an Eliphaz who is a Temanite in the book of Job, who's one of Job's friends. I'm doing the quote thing here because he wasn't really a friend. He was the first one to speak up and say, Job, you messed up. <laughs> All right. So Eliphaz the Temanite is a prominent character in the book of Job. Could it be this guy? Possibly. It's a possibility. All right. Why would you call him a Temanite, though? That's his son, right? You would think that's strange. Well, here's an interesting thing as well. Seir is called a Horite, and he's got a, son, a grandson named Horai. It seems like perhaps they became known as a people group, and by the time the author is writing this information for us, which is 400 years down the line, he's able to say, oh, you guys are familiar with the Horites. This guy was a Horite. Or you guys are familiar with the Temanites, this guy was a Temanite. So he has the luxury of being distantly removed at least 400 years and being able to draw your attention to a people group perhaps you're familiar with by that time had been either established or well-known for some other reason. All right? So you've got uh, you've got all those things going on. Uh, Seer. Why is Seer even in the mix here? Why are we even talking about this guy? This guy, the name Seer, ends up becoming the name of a place. And in fact, we've already been introduced to Mount Seir. I've got that listed over here. It's mentioned in verses 8 and 9, but it's also the place you'll remember that when Jacob came back from Padanaram, he was concerned about seeing his brother. He sent messengers to go find his brother. He sent them to Seir. He didn't send them into Canaan, which was kind of strange. It seems like somebody gave him a clue that your brother's no longer in Canaan by now. He's down in Seir. So when we're reading this story and we read about Esau moving from Canaan to Seir, he's moved across the river, he's moved out of the promised land, he's now on the other side of the river, his brother seems to have found out somehow that Esau had moved to Seir, and he sends word, he sends his messengers, see if you can find my brother, and sure enough, they do. And sure enough, his brother comes to visit, and you'll remember his brother says, hey, follow me, and I'll take you back down to where I'm living now, and he was heading towards Seir. And you remember his brother said, no, 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 thank you, we're going to go at our own pace. And he, in fact, came to Canaan, where his brother went to Seir. So Seir is a place that gets its name from probably the guy named Seir. All right? So this seems to be a family, a clan of, of rulers in that area that Esau moves to. Here's a couple other things as well. When you see Aholabama, and she's introduced to us, when you see in, in verse 2, who are the people uh, that she comes from? Look in verse 2, and it'll tell us a little bit. And Aholabama, daughter of Anna, Anna, and granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite. So we have Anna and Zibion, right? 
So I've written them right here, Anah and Zibion. If you look in this line of Seir, you find an Anah and a Zibion. It looks like Esau married somebody who came from here. It looks like a connection. All of a sudden, these people that are weird and strange and we don't know how they connect, it looks like there might be a possible connection through here. And interestingly, there's also an Aholabama here. Kind of strange, all right? Possible connections. It doesn't tell us directly other than to say these actual two names, which we actually have a match for those two names here. All right. Here's another connection. You see I've written Timnah here. Look at Timnah in verse 22. What does it say about Timnah in verse 22? Lotan's sister was Timnah. Lotan's sister was Timnah. Do you see a Lotan anywhere on here? Where is there a Lotan? Here's Lotan. His sister is Timnah. It looks like we have another connection. Eliphaz married Lotan's sister. So it looks like Esau married one of Seir's relatives. And Eliphaz, his son, married one of Seir's relatives. It looks like the reason all these weird names are put into this place is because there was an enmeshing going on, right, between Seir's family and Esau's family. This people group becomes the name of the location, which is Seir, but eventually you find a transition happening, and it looks like Seir ends up being absorbed by Esau, Their identity looks like it's absorbed into Esau's identity, and they become Edomites. And the land is called Edom instead of Seir. The land, which used to have its identity in this family, looks like it changes over time as you read through the list and becomes Edom, named after Esau. Like his family becomes the dominant family in the region across the river, whereas this family fades as time goes on. Kind of interesting how things jump out a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Here's another thing to look at as well. This one right here. The son of Deshan, who's the son of Seir. We've got Uz here. Uz becoming a people group, right? And becoming a name of a place as the people mm-hmm. live in that area for a long time. Uz is the name of the place in the book of Job. It's one of the places in the book of Job. Again, a connection to the book of Job. So it's kind of strange how we start to see this book, the book of Job, having very little connection to anything we know of, and then all of a sudden we're saying, yeah, but there's a clue, and there's a clue, and there's a clue. That's kind of strange. So we're starting to see perhaps some of these are pieces to the puzzle as to the history or the background of the book of Job. All right, let's see if there's what else that we can pull out of here. We saw the move, verses 6 and 7, Esau moved away. This is kind of fun to look at because Jacob was away out of the promised land. And he's making his way back. And somewhat similar in time, Esau is in the promised land, and he's trying to get out. He's voluntarily leaving. He's leaving because the flocks, there's there's too much. There's too many flocks and not enough resources is what it sounds like. Kind of like a similar situation with Abraham and Lot, his nephew Lot. And you'll remember, Abraham gave Lot his choice. He says, look all around. Where do you want to go? You, you take your pick. I'll take whatever's left over. And you remember Lot. What did he do? He looked down. He's like, wow, that place of Sodom down there looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, it looks pretty green down there. I've got some animals that want to eat some green grass. We'll take, we'll take Sodom and Gomorrah and that whole valley down there. And it turned out not to be a good choice, right? <laughs> but that's kind of the same situation we have here. Not, not enough resources for the great blessings that God has bestowed upon the family. All right, And Lot moves away. Abraham stays put. Here we have kind of the same situation. God has blessed Esau just as he has blessed Isaac. 
that's actually a fulfillment. You remember when Abraham was going to send away Ishmael, Abraham was concerned, what am I going to do about this boy? And God says, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll take care of him. And God had a similar blessing for Esau as well. God was going to bless Esau, despite him being the one that was cut off from the promises. All right, Isaac's the one through whom the promises were going to come, and then Jacob was the one the promises were going to continue to go through. But God still blessed this family with chiefs and kings. Some of your versions use a word for kings. It can mean chiefs, it can mean kings, it can be tribal sheiks, but they're basically heads or rulers. All right, so these individuals, they end up becoming leaders. They have a, a clan or a family that becomes identified with their name, and then that name oftentimes passes on to a place. Okay, as they become more and more populated. Verse 9, you see that same word there, and this is the genealogy of Esau. And when you look at that, you've got, wait a minute, we already had Toledoth. We already had genealogy in verse 1, and now we're having it again in verse 9. It looks like the reason for that is because the person who was authoring this, or somewhere down the line afterwards, decided, hey, this would be a great place to put in the information that we have in First Chronicles. And they put it in there, and the total of Doth is still in both places. So now we have two total of Doths because it's the merging of two records coming together, even though it's about the same guy. So it's kind of interesting. As you read through the book of Genesis, most people only have one total of Doth, all right? And here Esau's got two because it looks like the merging of two different records with very similar information in them. Uh, like I mentioned, when you look over at First Chronicles chapter 1, verses 35 through 42, it takes you down to the first half of verse 43. First half of verse 43 says, Chief Magdiel and Chief Iram, these were the chiefs of Edom, and that's where it stops in First Chronicles. We have a couple of additional words here. According to their habitations in the land of their possession, Esau was the father of the Edomites. All right. What that additional information gives us is a clue that these names, like I just said, started as people, as individuals, but became names of places, names of regions, names of areas that these people lived in. So that's according to their habitations in the land of their possession, Esau was the father of the Edomites. Now to tell you about Edomites, as you read through your Bible, Edomites are going to figure in here. And Edomites figure prominently in a few places. One of which is the Exodus account. After the book of Genesis, you have the next book of the Bible, it's Exodus. In the Exodus account, the Edomites are not friendly to the Israelites. The Edomites actually attack the Israelites as they're coming up out of Egypt, as they're coming to their promised land. The Edomites are hostile to the Israelites. But God gives Moses, inspires Moses to write some words down. And the words that he ends up writing are basically, even though the Edomites mistreated you guys, I still want you to consider them as family. Not close family, distant family, and so don't despise them. All right? But they end up not having a good track record as you read through your Bible. <laughs> as you look at Edomites, they're not going to be real friendly and helpful from this point forward. All right? A couple other ones that I want to point out, I guess. These down here, the chiefs of Edom, the chief, also known as Esau, I've got a few of them underlined. We've got Timnah, Aholabala, Kanaz, and Timon. The reason I've underlined these is because there's matches up here. All right? So Timnah, with a variation of an H on the end. Aholabala, you've got up here. Kanaz here. And Timon, you've got here. So it seems that as time goes by, these names become popular, and they, they share the name as time goes on. You see that sometimes in family trees, right? Mm -hmm. My wife is named after a grandmother several generations before. That's not uncommon in biblical times either, to have a name that was shared by somebody generations before. We didn't talk about this much either. 
These guys right here, when it gives us a count in verses 31 through 39, right? It's called the kings in the land of Edom. Here's kind of a weird thing about these kings. This guy, Bela, his dad is Baor. This guy, Jobab, is the next one in line. His dad is not Bela. His dad is Zerah. So this king was replaced by this king, and they're not related. And then the next one's not related, and the next one's not related. We have a list of kings that it doesn't go father, son, father, son, father, son. This is a completely unrelated people as far as we can tell. And over here, I've got either the dads or the place that they're from as it goes down. It almost looks like the way we get leaders in our country, in a sense. What I'm saying is it's not a dynasty, right? It's not you're the son, so you're the guaranteed person to be on the throne next. This one right here, Baal Hanan. Baal is the name of one of the gods that is a, a problem for the children of Israel. When they move into Canaan, into the promised land, Baal is the name of one of the competing gods to worship. And when I say gods, I'm not meaning the one true God by any stretch of the imagination. It's a competing religious view, a worldview that has a multiplicity of gods, Baal being one of them. All right? And so when the children of Israel go into the promised land and they, they're worshiping Baal, you find the prophets over and over again saying, this is, this is not the way it's intended to be. We've got the one true God. So you have that name of that false God as part of this guy's name. So it's kind of interesting to see. Esau's line produces some characters that kind of seem like they would lead you astray. Hmm. I wonder if mom and dad were right when they were concerned about the wives, their son marrying these wives. All right. Like I said, we're just thanking and excusing the folks that are in the drama so far, and we're just paying them uh, the respects that the author wants us to pay them. But uh, the story is going to move away from them, for the most part, from this point forward. So I have a question, just about territory. Where is, sure. where is Edom? So Edom is basically what? east of the Dead Sea. Okay, so Jordan. And east of the Jordan, and it's south. It's down by the Dead Sea area, as opposed to up okay. north of that. So we got done with the names of the family that we're dismissing. One chapter in a single study. And we'll be moving on to chapter 37 next time. And if you want to see my baby pictures, they're up here. (laughs) No, you don't. I'm not going to force anybody to look at the baby pictures. Oh, Levette was not here for that. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we admit that there are some places that are a lot more exciting than others. (laughs) We thank you helping us. As we we got to see a little bit of glimmer of different things going on behind the scenes in this list of names that otherwise was pretty tedious. And uh, we pray, God, that you would help us to give a hunger for your word as we go through it. Not to just skim across the top, but to actually look for what would you have us to see? What would you point out to us at any reading of your word? Thank you, God, for meeting us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys have a good week.